And you then have to ask yourself that if 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 you're staring at you know Proverbs or Hebrews or you know the different places where the Bible specifically addresses this, and you feel this anger in your heart towards those verses, you need to ask yourself why. You need to ask yourself like what is it in me that makes me want to not just take this verse at face value? Why am I trying to work around this? And and you know I've had that with with other issues in Scripture and. The reality is scripture is very straightforward. It's it's not all that complicated. And usually when I have a problem with a verse, it's me that's having mm. the problem. Mm. And I really do have to go before the Lord and say, Father, show me, you know, what is it that I'm getting wrong here? Why is it that I'm struggling with this? And generally speaking, what it boils down to for me personally is a pride issue. I want to accept someone else's opinion over the Lord's. I want to accept someone else's teaching over the Lord's. And there are all kinds of teaching on parenting out there. And I would I would encourage I would encourage whoever's listening to to go before the Lord and ask, is this teaching in line with what you have said? Or is this another elementary principle? Welcome to the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Darty, and I'm your host. Being here back in Texas with, with my family and the Hill Country, close to His Hill, we're just six minutes from the campus. It's just been really encouraging in that we're around people that we're familiar with, people we've known for decades, really. In some cases, even people we have known as young teenagers, as children, we've watched them grow up. Uh, they've been students at his hill we attend church together and so there's things like that that we we're just so thankful that we're back into that community uh, of people that we've known that long and people who walk with the lord and who are an encouragement and today what i want to do is introduce you to one of those people this is hadassah regeer she is now i introduced you to her husband a few months ago uh, michael and you'll remember him as being loogie who uh, we sat down and visited with. And then he gave us a devotion as well and I hope to bring him back on soon. But uh, this is his wife, Hadassah. Hadassah was a student with us at His Hill. What year were you a student? 2004. And then I also did the second year program. So really it was like 2004 through 2006. Okay. Okay. And she is a, was, a, was a local student. She grew up in San Antonio. And uh, now she's uh, back in this area. She and Lugie are married. They have children and they live about 20 minutes from, from my house on a, I guess we would call it a hobby farm, though it's a pretty big. Yeah, it feels like more than a hobby at times. <laughs> <laughs> How many acres do you have here? Um, about 20 acres. Okay. So it's like 19 and change really. And uh, we, it really has been... Um, the Lord just kind of putting things in our path. Neither of us were raised in this lifestyle at all. And so um, I remember when a man from our church approached us and was like, hey, you know, I know you you have this property. You probably need some sheep, you know, for your ag exemption. And we thought, yeah, that's a great idea. And so we crested that learning curve. (laughs) And that was fun. And then uh, the lady at the uh, grocery pickup that we do. She's a really sweet Christian lady and came up to Lugie one day and was like, I'm going to get your wife a cow and just kind of took me under her wing. And now we have a cow, we have a sheep, we have sheep (laughs) and we have chickens, um, which we had back in Bernie and we have geese and, uh, we had goats and we, we gave up on that to all of you who are thinking about goats. Think again. Yeah, I can, (laughs) I can confirm that. Um, so, how long have you been living out here now? Just three years. Okay, three years. Before mm-hmm. that, you were in Bernie. Yep. And uh, before that, in San Antonio, which is where you grew up. Yes. Yeah, yeah. okay. And you have, uh, how, how many brothers and sisters? We have a prodigious family. Um, not really. It's I have six siblings, okay. or five siblings, not including myself. I have an older sister, and then I have... A younger sister, Hannah, a younger brother, Todd, a younger sister, Rachel, and a younger brother, Ian. And uh, we were all homeschooled. We all uh, grew up in a church called Castle Hills 
and it was a Baptist church, and um, my parents love the Lord. My grandparents love the Lord. I have pastors on both sides of my family, and so uh, we were very, very blessed um, as children because my my understanding and my knowledge of the Lord that was that was foremost in my parents' priority, mm. and so that that was a huge blessing. Yeah, and they they all saw the prophet and and you and your siblings going to Bible school. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, and so that's because of that. I've met most of most of your siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I know all but one, maybe, and have had the privilege of teaching all but one. I think, and mm-hmm. uh, and then your mother uh, was heavily involved in the school at Castle Hills, mm-hmm. and she had me come in a couple of times and speak to the students. Uh, and then, of course, the whole family would be, your whole family would be up at his hill for Thanksgiving conference on a pretty regular basis. So yep. we got to know the Grangers pretty well. Your dad is uh, pastoring a church in San Antonio, mm-hmm. and uh, he invited me to come and preach uh, in, in his place just a couple of months ago, which was a real pleasure, mm-hmm. a real privilege. Arlene and I really enjoyed the, the time we spent with the, the congregation there. Yeah, they're very sweet. They are very sweet. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, so obviously you grew up in a Christian home. Um, how did you come to know Christ? So along with, I can re- some of my earliest memories are of my mother cooking breakfast and putting on Dr. James Dobson and listening to him. And um, my grandfather was the associate pastor at Castle Hills at the time. And we were up at the church as soon as the doors were open. My dad taught Sunday school. Um, And I was just inundated with that. You know, my, my mother used a curriculum called Rod and Staff. And so that was, you know, so heavily, um, it's very scripture oriented. And so there was just so much of that in my, in my early childhood. And, um, my uncle, my dad's brother, uh, had turned away from the Lord for a time in his life and, um, had decided to become a homosexual and, um, since repented of that and came back to his family but as a consequence of it he contracted AIDS and he was sick with that and he passed from that Um, and he passed with a repentant heart loved the Lord loved sharing with people about just what Jesus had done in his life and um, I can remember during an episode of Chippendale Rescue Rangers when um, I was just sitting there and I, my mom was sitting next to me and I remember, you know, just be th- just thinking about Uncle Tim and um, thinking, you know, I, I know he's in heaven, but I just, I want to be able to be with him again hmm. someday. And um, at that point, my mom led me to the Lord and, and asked, you know, asked me if I wanted to pray and accept Jesus as my Savior. And I did. And since then, and even before then, like it, the, the way that the Holy Spirit works in your heart, the, the, the movement that he does, the fact that he can speak to you, he can, he can put these thoughts into your mind and you know they're not from you. And I had that throughout my life and there were times where I chose not to recognize it but it was it's always kind of been there I've known deep down no matter what was going on I've known that he was there and that he was listening to me and that he was that he loved me and so moving forward from that um you know I had all of the the antics of just being a normal kid and dealing with rebellion and dealing with uh you know, sin and the whole nine yards, but there was always this thing inside of me that, that I knew, I knew that I belonged to the Lord and that sin did not suit me. And, um, the Lord used that. And I think even later as I was going through high school and I would, I got really fed up with our youth group at one point. And so I joined the married adult Sunday school class, (laughs) like a true nerd. (laughs) And, um, and, and I, I was really 
trying to figure out for myself, I was really trying to draw some lines in my own thinking, you know, how much of this is something that I truly believe and how much of this is something that I've just been raised with. And um, going to his hill was actually a really big help in that direction because I had to own my faith as, as the Lord had revealed things to me and as I had read in scripture, like those things, he took those things and he put them in my heart and I had to, to own my own faith independently of my parents, which was a big deal because I, you know, I love my parents and there's nothing wrong with them. It's just that I needed to be able to be before the Lord as a person, as, as myself, as Hadassah. Okay. So what, what about that time at his hill? What did the Lord do? in your heart with regards to what you're talking about? So I think firstly it was just, you know, I thought I really knew the Bible well. And then I still remember taking that, there was a test, I think at the beginning of the semester was like, you know, your Bible knowledge, you know, this sort of thing. And I think I scored pretty low on that and I was surprised. And then we would sit through and all of the different speakers would come and they would speak about different books of the Bible. And as we went through, um, I just, it, it kind of exploded in my mind, just all of these, these things that I had never heard before, or maybe things that I had, but I hadn't really thought about them in that way. And <coughs> pardon me, I'm just going to die over here. <coughs> and um, so I hadn't thought about them in that way, but then when I was sitting there and I was learning and there was just something about that, that it was, it was like, I was, I was learning on my own, you know, I wasn't being spoon fed anything. Hmm. I was actually taking it in and it was, it was me learning it. And the Lord was showing me different things in his word and things that I had seen before maybe, but I hadn't seen them in the same way. And, you know, I didn't have any of my normal surroundings. It was just me and the Lord. And so that was really, really powerful and cemented a lot of that learning in my head. And then when second year came around, there was a whole lot of application for that. I stayed for summer camp, which was very warm, but also like it was also really wonderful because a lot of the things that I had been taught, I was able to like take them and put them into practice and be able to share with other people about you know, my faith and, and what I believe the Lord is capable of and why, why is it that we, that we choose him? What is it that, that makes us want to obey him and, and how is that empowered? And being able to share that with, with others and having to put words to the things that, to the thoughts that um, have been going through my mind was a big deal. And there was a lot of stuff that, was confirmed in in my thinking where I could see in scripture like no like the Lord this is what the Lord has said and so this is this is how we are to walk and a lot of my thinking about family a lot of my thinking about children and parenting and everything else was kind of stems from that um which was really really cool it was a mm. it was a blessing to be able to to learn about that at that time you Grew up in a home that uh, is is very strong in insisting that Christ is your life. Mm-hmm. You know that's uh, that that's something that's been obvious to me in the time I've spent with you know not just you know your parents but your grandparents as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, is that something you recall hearing growing up? Did you have a grasp of this reality when you came to Bible school, or was it during Bible school or after? It was just before. Okay. So growing up Baptist, right, there was Mm -hmm. a real emphasis on law and on scripture and on being good, Mm -hmm. you know. And my parents and my grandparents quickly came to the conclusion that we ourselves are not capable of fulfilling the law. Somebody else had to do it. And so they started... um, exploring more, especially in the New Testament, the uh, scriptures that talked about how Christ is our life. So as you have received Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. so walk in him. Right. And understanding that the the ability of the Christian to live the Christian life is actually something that is reserved mm. for Christ. And it's by faith that we appropriate what he has done and that we move forward from faith to faith. 
And um, my dad uh, especially was exploring that. A lot of different, he, uh, he really loved people like uh, Watchman Nee, Major Ian Thomas, and Michael Wells, uh, men who, who really took that message and explored it in scripture and, and delineated between the old covenant and the new covenant and really tried to parse out, okay, like who is, who is living this life? Like, how do we do this? Because mm-hmm. they all kind of came to that Paul crisis where they're like, I do the thing that I don't want to do, right. you know? And, and what does that mean for me positionally? And what does that mean for me relationally with the Lord? How do I, how do I navigate that? And, you know, coming to the conclusion that it's like, it really is, you can't live this life on your own. You need Jesus. You need that, you need that moment that says, Father, like, I've got nothing and I, I need you. I need you to come and be everything that you are to me in this moment. Right. And he does. He's yeah. faithful to, he's faithful to do that. Yeah. And I, I agree. We need Jesus for Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, so often we feel like, you know, it's for me to be like him, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the misunderstanding of that, you know, when Paul says to imitate me, he goes on and explains what he means by that. You know, that it, it is a life of faith. You know, you look throughout his writings and he's not saying I, you know, I've got this great ability that I've been able to conquer. Um, but, uh, yeah, so you, you came to understand this just before coming to Bible school. So I guess hopefully your time at Bible school was just confirming for this. It was, um, my dad was kind of coming into that understanding. And then whenever I went to Bible school, I saw it just in big letters in scripture. Okay. And that was the part where I was like, okay, like now all of this is starting to really make sense. Like Mm. I can't, I can't be perfect. Okay. You know, and it's not in me to, to be perfect. Sinless perfection is not part of the whole like sanctification plan. So I, I need the Lord. I need Jesus to be able to live this life and to guide me through this life. And I think that he has been so faithful to do that. And Mm -hmm. I've seen that especially just, um, I saw that when I was a child, but I see that even more now as an adult, just the different decisions that you make by faith. And then you watch as the Lord fulfills his word in you. So you're saying that it's more than just... um a theological understanding, but no, it's yeah. become very practical for you it in is. daily life. So after leaving his hill, what did you do? So uh, I went and got a job at Starbucks. And I remember <laughs> that. I forgot when I asked you, but I remember that now. Yeah, yeah I went and got a job at Starbucks. I went to a community college for my associate's degree. And then I moved in with my grandparents and went to a private college in Kerrville called mm-hmm. Shriner for a uh, bachelor's in English and English education with a minor in psychology. Okay. And and, and, and and in all of this? In all of this, I would like to sum up my college experience by saying on record that if the Lord leads you to it, then it is good. However, the value of anything is the Lord that is actually in it. And I knew that he wanted me to go to these different schools Um, but I would say that the more valuable education that I got was actually the training in his word. Mm. And, um, college was a place where the Lord proved himself to me and revealed to me how much I wanted him. And also conversely, how much I didn't want what the world was offering. Okay. And, um, you know, I got a degree in education and a lot of that I had to throw away whenever I chose to start homeschooling my kids and I had to kind of relearn what it means to be a teacher. Okay. And I had to relearn it according to scripture and not according to man's ideas of child psychology. Okay. Which was pretty cool. That's, yeah, that is cool. Um, so j- just talking about education and, you know, the, the, the Lord working in your heart that you knew that college is where you should be. Now that you're a parent, um, I have a, a question for you. We live in a time where, what's the best way to say this? Um, that it is not only expected, but 
it, there's condemnation if on you as a parent if you are not insisting on your children going to college after high school. Um, and to, to, the, to the point where, you know, I've seen it with people I know to where then not just the parents, but the child making the decision not to do it mm-hmm. can be it can be a very... Um, uh, they can feel persecution from it, you know. Yeah. And people might say, "Well, that's too far." No, it's really. it's pretty tough. So, where where are you now, you and Lugia as parents on this particular topic? I I have seen the Lord be our provision in so many things, and I think it would be unfair to Him to insist that college is the provision for my children. And I think that having gone through college myself, I knew that that's what the Lord had for me to do, but I do not think that I can say that about every other person. Okay. And truly, truly, college is a mission field because the things that are being taught there are godless in the extreme. Hmm. And... I I don't think that a parent is doing um, justice by the Lord to, to not pray with their child and seek the Lord in terms of what that, what that child's path should be, you know? I think that the, more, the bigger thing is like seeking the will of the Lord for that child rather than seeking a career path, a specific mm. career path with the with the idea that somehow this career path is going to be the provision for this child. And that I think is the main argument Okay. for your kids going to college. Well, if they don't go to college, how do they get a good job? Well, you know, my husband went to college for a degree in Bible, Bible teaching, and he is currently working in technology. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't something that he did because he was so very smart. It's something that the Lord put together that the Lord brought him into because the Lord is intimately invested in the the paths that he has for us he doesn't he doesn't throw he doesn't throw us out there and expect us to make our own way he leads us Mm. and and seeking the lord's leading and teaching your children to seek the lord's leading instead of accepting what the world says is what is necessary like we need to go to scripture and see what scripture says is Mm -hmm. necessary and what scripture says is that the Lord will leave you and he lead lead you and will not forsake you and that he has a path and a plan and a purpose and and a whole slew of wonderful adventures in this life for us to go down and i think it i think it kind of discredits him right. when people insist that it has to be this way you know yeah i do i agree with you i think and, and just just to reiterate and so people listening understand you and I are two college-educated yeah. people sitting here talking about this. So we're not saying, and you've already alluded to it, we're not saying that it's wrong, that college is right. wrong. Yeah. B- but what we're encouraging is that you, know, that you and the child be seeking the Lord and what he has for yeah. that child. You know, um, I am college-educated. Neither one of my girls are, nor is my son-in-law. And... All of them, I know, would have done just fine in college. Yeah. You know, they, they're, they're both, all three of them are very intelligent people. And th- th- I, I know, because I've been through college, I know they would have done much better than I did. But, and, and, I, and I admit that it was a little scary, yeah. you know, to, to encourage them and to support you know, them not going it because we believe that's what the Lord was doing. But I can tell you this, that it has been incredible to watch what the Lord has done in their lives, how he has taken them where he has that, you know, college would have been probably a big roadblock for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, as you were talking, it made me think of Colossians 2, 8. Mm-hmm. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy, empty deception, according to tradition of men, elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. And that's mm-hmm. what we're encouraging here, to be taken captive by Christ and yeah. to encourage your children in this direction. And if that means going to college, then 
praise God, go to college. If it means to, you know, to get to 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 go a different path, you know, where you, maybe you're, um, what's the word for it? Uh, you know, when you're learning a trade and you uh, you work oh, under like somebody. An apprenticeship. Yeah, if it's apprenticeship, that's great. Uh, if it's to be an entrepreneur, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, to to go to go with the Lord and don't don't limit him. But anyway, uh, oh, I just want to say something because I know the listeners can probably hear. There's uh, we're we're actually doing this interview in Hadassah's kitchen. And so the kids are in the house. I wish there are times I wish we had a video podcast so you could see these guys. They are just the most precious children, uh, and they're very sweet. And they're uh, and they have a, a, they, they and their parents have a wonderful relationship with each other. So Hadassah told them, "You tell the listeners what you told them." Uh, so I told them, I was like, "Okay, well, you're all going to play very nicely and quietly in the living room." And you are not allowed to interrupt, and you must play quietly. And I said, Did you, you know, do you understand? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Even if you're bleeding? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to quantify the level of, uh, uh, we have to quantify the extreme as to whether or not you're allowed to interrupt the conversation. And there needs to be some, some actual, you know, profuse bleeding, not just casual bleeding. <laughs> So, so the kids are, are here in the house and they're being really good. And if you hear the wind chime, that's, that's, you know, we're just out on, on this farm and this is just a wonderful setting, really enjoying the time. Um, okay, Hadassah, so how did, okay, now we, we've talked about how you came to Christ, how you came to understand that Christ is your life and then your education and how the Lord took you there. You were with him in it and it was a blessing to you. Um, after now, when did, when did Lugi come into the picture? He was actually, um, the first person I met on staff at his hill was Genevieve. Okay. Uh, Gladys. She yeah. was very sweet. She was the registrar at the time. Right. Now Genevieve Dahl. Now Genevieve Dahl. Yeah. And she was at the rock house and then I walked in and then my sister walked into the other room, Hannah, and there was this guy in there reading a newspaper um, very wild hair, just <laughs> extremely unkempt. And, <laughs> Which, for and those of you who don't know Hadassah, this is like the <laughs> antithesis of a Hadassah. <laughs> yeah, and so, and he, we were getting settled, and he came in and introduced himself, shook my hand, shook my dad's hand. I was impressed by that because my dad is rather intimidating, and um, and proceeded to show us where the girls' dorm was. And as he left, my dad elbowed me and goes, there goes a blue fly, which is Southern speak for he's into you. (laughs) And um, after that, uh, when I had gotten settled in the dorm, one of the girls, second year girls came up to me and was like, have you met Loogie? Because y'all have the same weird, y'all have that same weird sense of humor. I feel like y'all would get along. And she was really sweet. And so, yeah, we became friends, and that quickly developed into a relationship with which my parents shut down immediately. Okay. And <clears throat> that, was, that was a real, real test of faith for me. Hmm. And it was really good as well. And I just, I want to, if, any, if anybody out there is, is a parent who is trying to trust the Lord with their, with their children's relationships, like, just... You know, do what the Lord puts on your heart to do. Make sure it lines up with scripture. But do what the Lord puts on your heart to do because my parents acted in faith and I trusted them and trusted the Lord by faith. And I'm so, so very glad that I did. Hmm. Um, it put the brakes on our relationship in such a way that we really had more of a friendship than any kind of a romantic involvement. Right. Um and then he, when he left his hill, he was a second year when I was a first year. He left his hill and then went um, went to South Carolina to uh, CIU to get his his degree. And so we dated for seven years, and the majority of that was long distance. Mm. And the beautiful thing about long distance relationships is that you don't have the opportunity to develop the physical side of the relationship right. as, uh, as much as you do the, the soul side of the relationship. There was, 
you know, we didn't have, he didn't even have a cell phone. And so a lot of the way that we communicated was via email and then like maybe a phone call once a week. And he would come down and he would stay with my family um, for Christmases and just different things. And I, I think the longest we went without seeing each other was maybe like nine months. And um, it was hard. It was really hard because I didn't know how this was going to end. You know, God doesn't write his occasionally he will write on a wall, but for me, he did not. (laughs) (laughs) And and he, you know, I wasn't guaranteed. I remember my grandmother telling me one time, Hadassah, it's not, it is not written in stone until that ring is on the finger. Hmm. And, you know, it is not guaranteed. And so, you know, as you move forward in this relationship, you have a responsibility to move forward in obedience to the Lord and not according to the flesh. Hmm. And everything in my flesh wanted to push this thing forward because I'm a doer and I have a very driven personality and everything in me wanted to push this and the Lord would not let me push. And the brilliance of that is is so incredible to me because now, what is it, almost 20 years later having known this man, right? I can look back and I can see how the Lord worked on my heart. Mm. And I can see how the Lord worked on his heart and and developed in him like the desire to lead and the desire to pursue and ambition and all of those different things that are so necessary for a man to lead in a relationship. He he helped me in my submissiveness, mm. my ability to trust, my ability to step forward in faith without having the plan lined out for me with bullet points and being able to, to let go of knowing exactly how all of this was going to work out and just being able to take the next step in faith. That was huge for me. Mm. And, you know, the first time that my dad, or sorry, the first time that Lugie asked my dad for permission to marry me, my dad actually said no. Mm. And I think, I don't remember how many times Luke, he asked. I think he asked like two or three times, something like that. And we had already been dating for, for all of these years. So my parents really got a chance to know it. But my dad was not going to hit the go button until he was certain and until the Lord had confirmed this in his heart. And I did not have peace about going against my parents in this. Um... I knew my parents loved the Lord, and that was an amazing, uh, amazing surety for me that I was able to to trust them. And did I like it? No, <laughs> I did not like it at all. But you know what? We got married at the right time, hmm. and we we began our marriage at the right time. We dated at the right time for the right amount of time, and it. It, it came to pass. The dating side came to pass. The marriage is going to come to pass. You know, but all of it, the Lord has, has kept our, our eyes on him, has put us in circumstances where we didn't have a choice um, to really, the options were you can look away in rebellion or you can trust. And those were my options. Mm. And there were times when I wanted to look away and be rebellious. And it never served me well. Mm. It never served me well. Mm. But the times where I trusted him and I was able to take the next step and just do the next thing, which was college, um, that served me well. And I, I am so appreciative of, to the Lord for this because I would not know my husband the way that I know him yeah. had it not been for Amen. this. Amen. As you were talking, it reminded me of Mrs. T, Mrs. Thomas, Major Thomas's wife. She used to tell us that there was a time in her life when she would say, why God? And, you know, she she described what it was like, you know, to be the wife of a man who was traveling the world and not always home. You know, why? And then she went on and described, you know, just specific things. Why? Why? Mm -hmm. And as she got older, she said the, the, the statement changed from question to, um, a statement of realization mm-hmm. where she said, instead of saying, why God, she said, oh, yeah. that's why. And, you know, it's almost like God knows what he's doing. 
Isn't that crazy? (laughs) (laughs) I thought I knew, you know, but no, no, he knows better. And I think, you know, we're so, we, I am so efficiency minded in my head. It's like, okay, well we're dating. All right. Natural thing is like the most efficient path to marriage would be this because that was my goal. I, you know, I loved this guy. I thought he was great. Let's get married. What's the problem? You know? And that's not what the Lord had. Mm. And I think that, you know, we get very caught up in our idea of what would be best. And we really don't pause to see, you know, first of all, what does scripture say? But then also like looking at the lives of, of some of these different people in scripture, like they're the person after person, you see them going through these waiting periods. You know, Moses was a sheep, a shepherd for 40 years before he, he ever went and led the people and Paul, you know, had his own time with his own desert place with the Lord. And, you know, all of these different people, they had this time in their lives where it, it wasn't the most efficient thing. When, when you look at their lives, you think, well, you know, it would have just been better if they had done this right away. Well, no, like the Lord does things in his own time. And a lot of that is cultivating faith in us because, the language of faith is trust, and trust is characterized by waiting. Hmm. You know, and so I was, I'm very grateful to him for how he put all that together. That's that's wonderful. Amen. I um, I am, am mindful of Romans um, eight twenty eight. Mm-hmm. You know, the the verse that everyone likes to use when you're going through the worst time in your life. You know, yeah. God calls us all things to work together for good. And you kind of just like, like clenching to that, but. Uh, I was just with a group of people last week and was, we were looking at that and I said, but the, you know, he does, he causes all things to work together for good, but you've got to see that within the context, the very next verse, verse 29 says, conforming us to the image of his son. Mm-hmm. And you know th- that's his good. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's at work in our life, whether we are, you know, in high school, Bible school, college, married, you know, <laughs> parents, he is working his good, but his good is not necessarily what we automatically think as being good. Yeah. You know, my, you know, oh, oh my good. Oh, so he's going to take this problem away and make me happy here. Uh, no, no, that may happen, but that's not. No, that, that's, that's not guaranteed. Right. And, but what is guaranteed is that the good is conforming us to the image of his son, you know, revealing Christ in us, leaving us with Jesus and not with us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you think about it, oh my goodness, is there anything really more good, (laughs) you know, than than this? Because that's what we were made for, his very image. And I think this world is so distracting because they want you to think that it's these these certain circumstances that you're made for. Right. And they want you to to have a very goal-oriented mindset and they want to set those goals for you. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're young, so you may want your first goal is marriage, and then you want to have, you know, 2.5 children, and, you know, just going through all of these different expectations. And my dad used to say, like, expectations are killers, Mm -hmm. because they distract us from being in the moment with the Lord. Right. And that was so much of what I had to fight against, because I was put in this place of tension where I couldn't go do the thing that I wanted to do. Um, and I had to wait and trust the Lord and be in the moment that he has called me in. And that continues on even now, like with, with parenting, with being a mother, with, with living on a farm, there is so much that, you know, my hands are tied on where I can't just decide I'm going to go and accomplish this thing. I have to come back and I have to to yield that expectation to the Lord and hold it with an open hand Mm. and say, Father, you know, if it reminds me of that verse that says, um, do not say tomorrow that we will go to this or that city or this or that place, but just say if the Lord wills and we live, we will do this because his goal is his glory. And part of his glory is our sanctification. And that is not going to look like the world's picture of a perfect life. Right. It's going to look different for everyone because it's very individual and it's multifaceted and the Lord is in charge of it and we can trust him. Mm, amen. 
so uh, you know just talking about you having to wait for you know your father's approval and and, and what it was like to have to walk through that i'm thinking of you and lugi and your your wedding and uh, how it was truly what i remember about it is it was really a celebration and everybody being involved in the excitement of it and you just think you know even your right down to your dad being the man that's officiating the yeah. ceremony yeah that was so cool and i think you know wow i wonder how i wonder how it would have been different had you not uh, yeah. i mean what how much would you and all the guests at that wedding what will we all have missed out on? Yeah. You know, had you not trusted the Lord and walk with him in that, mm-hmm. you know, and said it was a blessing, not just for you and Lugie, but everybody was there. I remember everybody just really being, just celebrating. It was a, it was a real festive time. Yeah. Well, it felt like such a victory because it had been, it had been so long and then also. And not a victory over your father. No, 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 right. no, 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 <laughs> no, no, it just, it was. It but was, a victory of obedience. Yeah. The, the end of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, like it just, it, you know, I did, I've done some running in the past and, and I did a half marathon once with my sister-in-law. It was so fun. And I, you know, you get to the end and you, you're faithful and you've, you've run all those steps and you get to the end and just that elation mm-hmm. of just. Yeah looking back and seeing all of the progress it was all worth it and it was all worth it all that stress all that all that wondering all of it was completely worth it because during that time the lord revealed himself and that is really what brings the joy in life and i think that that is the the key thing you know we're waiting for this certain set of circumstances to work out but the lord is over here saying like no like i the revelation of my son, the revelation of me in this circumstance right now in the mundanity of life, that mm. is where the joy is. That's, That's right. That's where the victory is. That's right. And I feel like the, the wedding was an expression of that. Right. Yeah. Okay. So now you guys got married. What year was that? Uh, <laughs> 2011. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 2011. And uh, now you have three children. Yes. What has it been like now being a parent? And and it's, you know, you haven't gone the traditional route. No. You're homeschooling your kids. Um, you live out in the country. Uh, and, you know, some of that was raised in the city. Both of you pretty much grew up, yeah. in, you know, were city kids. Uh, you're you're out in the country. Uh, acreage. Um, what's, what's this been like? The exact same thing. Okay. As waiting, <laughs> as waiting to get married. <laughs> oh my goodness no it's the exact same thing it really is you take the next step forward by faith and the circumstances are different but the faith walk is exactly the same okay it has not deviated or it has not changed in in any of its characteristics the lord is still revealing himself he is still putting or putting allowing me to be in situations where I have to trust him I where I can't depend on myself Mm. whether whether it's just my own inability or my flesh or whatever it is I have to go to him for every single thing and I have to wait for him and I have to trust his timing on stuff Mm. Uh, we have three children Emrys is nine Idris is, uh, he'll be seven soon, and then Fenella will be five in November, and Emrys is going into third grade, and um, like Kelly said, we were homeschooling, and that has been such a cool thing, Hmm. such a cool thing to be able to walk alongside your children while they're learning and growing, and it almost feels like a, a renaissance in a sense, because I'm relearning all of those things that I learned when I was a kid. Okay. And learning them now as an adult is totally different. It's kind of like when you watch a movie as a kid and you love it, and then you go back and you watch it again as an adult, and you're like, ooh, why did, <laughs> why did I like this thing? Um, but you just, you look at things with different eyes. Mm. And the Lord shows you different things. And being able to get excited with my six-year-old when he reads that um 
that earthworms actually like turn the soil and it makes it better for gardeners, you know, and being able to get excited with my kids over stuff has been such a beautiful thing, being able to spend that time. And, you know, when I was in college, there was a real push for uh, women especially to get out there and to make a name for yourself and to be independent and to work and, you know, show that you are just as capable as a man and all, you know, all of this stuff. And um, I... I chose a different path, and honestly, I am so satisfied with it. Mm. I'm so glad that I mm. did. And being again, able to I would learn, say, I, I'm guessing you would say that that's because this is what the Lord has for you. Yes, right. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think that he he brought me home, and he you know, gave gave us these three children, and it has been uh, the hardest thing that I've ever done okay. raising children. Um, but it's also been one of the most fulfilling things that I've ever done. And it's just because that I can see the Lord in it. And that's what may, really makes it fulfilling. Hmm. Um, I just, yeah, I love, I love being their teacher. I love watching them come to these new realizations about different things and being able to talk with them about things that really matter and being able to share with them about the Lord. Like, it's just, it's really pleasant. Very, very nice. That's great. Mm-hmm. What um, what has the Lord taught you with regards to uh, disciplining of children? She was taking a drink and just about choked on it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Scripture holds up. I think that you train a child in the way he should go. Mm. And that when he's old, he will not depart from it. Okay. My parents invested in me and they trained me we live in a world that um i think works really hard to instill fear in the minds of parents Mm. um we live in a world that very much wants to take power away from parents and and it tells them you know you you are not qualified to teach your children you're not qualified to lead your children in this life Mm. and that's why you need to outsource it to psychologists and counselors and and schools and all of these different things doctors and whatnot whole nine yards but what does scripture say like scripture places the husband as the head of the home he scripture places the wife as being the help me and the one who is the teacher of the children and places the children under the authority of the parents. And scripture really doesn't mince words. And and what I've found just in my reading of just different parenting models and concepts is you really do have to do a big workaround to get around traditional discipline as it is presented in scripture. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people who would disagree with that this day and age, but I'm, you know, when I, when I read the verses that say, that say that, you know, he who loves his son chastens him right. and the one who doesn't, doesn't chasten his son, right. like doesn't train him. Right. Like that's, it just seems pretty straightforward to me. Yeah. Hebrews 13 covers the same, mm-hmm. you know, it's that you're illegitimate without discipline, yeah. you know, and, and, and God, you know, he, he disciplines those whom he loves. Yeah. And I, I find it, uh, I find it ironic that uh, believing parents, and I, you know, I've been, I've been, I've struggled over this, Arlene and I both in recent months, as you know, with just believing parents who are solid believers, walking with the Lord, really struggle with this part of being a parent and the discipline of their children, and I think there is such a there has been such an infiltration by the world mm-hmm. to dictate to us what love is. Yes. Well, no, wait a minute. I don't need the world to demonstrate to me what love is. God has done that. For God so loved, he gave. He is a God of compassion. Mm-hmm. He is a, but, but here's the thing. He never lessens his demand on us. No. You no. know, he created us in his image. Man fell. Mm-hmm. He didn't say, 
oh, that's too bad. Do the best you can. No, he said, I've got, I've got a solution. The solution's name is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so he says, before he gives the law in the Old Testament, he says, be holy, for I am holy. So there's the standard of holiness. So he hasn't lessened his image. He hasn't lessened the d- demand of his image. And then we come to the New Testament, and Peter says the same thing. Be holy, for he is holy. Yeah. So that's our standard. Well, how are we going to do this? The same way God always intended for us to do that, with his very life in us. In Genesis 2-7, he breathes his very life into us. In the New Covenant, on the day of Pentecost, his very life is once again breathed into us. And so... What has actually happened is that God doesn't lessen the demand, but he lives the very demand in us. So if as parents we back off to that, then we're not, we're not abiding, we're not living that life that, that is empowered by God himself. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. It, it is, I, I remember one time my son just pitching a fit about something. I think he was maybe two or three. And I had just been listening to a, a podcast on parenting about living, living well before your children. And one of the things that just kind of occurred to me is when I'm this upset, like, what should I be doing? And the answer is I should be calling on the name of the Lord. Mm. And so I prayed with him and I said, Emrys, right now, you need to ask Jesus to calm your soul. You need to ask him yourself. And I had him ask the Lord. And that has been something that has kind of been a turning point for me as a parent, just living out my faith before my children. And when I get overwhelmed, praying out loud in front of my children, saying, Father, I need you. I need you to speak to my heart. I need you to just interject in this moment, Lord, to, to bring peace so that we might obey you, that we might honor you with our lives. And living that prayer out before my kids has been powerful. And that's not all that we do. Like we, we hold the standard above them. And when, when they cross the line, there are very definite consequences. And I believe that scripture supports that. Um, I think you would hard, be hard pressed to find that it didn't. Um, so we do spank. We do, uh, we do, do corporal discipline when when I can see that that rebellion in my child's heart. I need them to understand that sin does not suit them and that it hurts. And the time for that is when they are little, when they are young, and when they are still moldable. I also need them to see that Jesus is who He says He is, and that. If I am trusting him and if I am enjoying this life with him, I want to be able to live it in a way that my children see it Mm -hmm. so that they see the winsomeness of Christ, so that they understand that the reason that mommy and daddy can have joy, even though the raccoon just ate all of our meat chickens, the reason that mommy and daddy are able to move forward from that circumstance is because we know that God is still in charge. We know that if he allows that to happen, that there is a reason for that and we can trust him that he's going to show us what the path forward is. I want to be able to model that for my children. And I don't do it perfectly, but that's another aspect of parenting that's kind of been revelatory for me. Being able to apologize to your children is so good for your soul. It kicks pride in the teeth. It's good for your children too. Yeah, and being able to speak to them and say, you know what, mommy was wrong there. Yeah. I was I was living out of the flesh and just showing them like this, this is how you handle this failure. This is how you handle failure. This is how you handle uh, this is how you handle being in circumstances that you don't like. This is how you handle waiting. This is how this is how we live life. And ultimately, with all of the things that you could teach your children, with all of the academic knowledge that you could cram into their little brains. What really matters? Because I know some really, really smart people, people with doctorates, scientists, whole nine yards, and they are miserable Mm. because they don't know the Lord. And because they don't know the Lord, they do not know how to take what life throws at them. And they're, they're just, they're miserable. Mm. And it's, it's so sad. 
And I don't, I don't want that for my kids. I want them to be able to trust. I want them to be able to obey and see obedience as their nurture and not as something that they need to rebel against because they need to somehow be self-actualized the way that the mm. world says mm. self-actualization looks. Yeah. And I loved what you said earlier about how the, the world seems to be defining love for us. And it's so insidious. And I have been very impressed, especially in this last couple of years, that we need to be digging into scripture. We need to be spending time before the Lord because the world is is crafting this idea of love in people's minds. And it is not love according to what the Lord says is love. It's not love according to his character. Right. And it's not the kind of love that he shows us. Which is the standard of love. Which is the standard of love. And so for my children, I want them to be able to walk into this world with a very clear picture in their minds of who God is and who he can be Mm. to them in their circumstances. And the way that I do that is by modeling it for them, by disciplining them when they have sinned and by treating sin for what it is. It is evil. Mm. We need to quit saying, oh, it's okay. No, it is wrong. Objectively, what God says is wrong is wrong. And being able to draw that contrast for my children, but on the flip side, showing them the love of God in that while we were yet sinners, Mm. God sent his son and he loves us so. Mm. And so I I want that for my kids. Mm. I want them to see what I have seen in my savior. I appreciate that. That's really well said. You know, I, I appreciate it because you're what you're doing is you're telling our listeners that there's a difference between abuse and discipline. Yeah. And and the world tells us that that discipline is abuse. It no discipline is love mm-hmm. because what you're what you're doing is you're holding someone, you're holding your children mm-hmm. to what is good, to what is best for them, to what is profitable for them. Yeah. And, and when we, when we choose not to discipline, it's really hatred yeah, cloaked with the emotion or a feeling that we in the flesh have interpreted as being love. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate too, you know, just talking about, you know, this self-realization, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to damper that. We don't want them to, well, now, wait a minute, our identity is in Christ, that's that's what we as believers need to be encouraging our children toward that your mm-hmm. identity is in Christ not in some kind of self-realization mm-hmm. but in in realizing that oh, apart from him I can do nothing mm-hmm. I need him I need him for that life that I've been created for to truly like James says consider it all joy I can't consider any of this trial joy if I my identity is not in him yeah and so go ahead. You wanted to say something? No, no. I just, I, I see that so much. Like there, the, when you're walking into a circumstance and the, and, and it's hard, you know, the, the only place of hope in that circumstance is Jesus. I was listening to a YouTube video recently of this one gardener that I really enjoy. And she was lamenting the fact that she had been given basically poisoned soil. And I came into Lugie's office and I was so distressed by this. And I came into Lugie's office and I was like, man, can you just, can you just pray with me? Cause I'm, this is just really hard. I feel like they're just making it so hard for us to be able to grow our own food. And I'm just really disturbed by this. And Lugie prayed with me and then he looked at me and he said, listen, Hadassah, he's like, our trust is in the Lord. And our provision is in the Lord. It's not in whether or not we have good soil. Mm. And we need to leave it there. We need to trust him as we move forward. Mm. And I loved that he said that. I, and I think that that's so much of what I want to, to demonstrate to my children as well. That there is, there is more to this life than just what we're seeing physically. This life is a means to an end. Mm. And the more that we can actually see the Lord in it, 
the more that we can recognize like his love for us in these moments and be willing to, to trust him, the more beautiful our life is going to be. Hmm. Not because the circumstances have changed, but just because we're able to see him. And I want that for my kids. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing. You can have children that are as dumb as a stump intellectually, but if they know Jesus, they have every single mm. thing they need. That's right. That's right. And I, I, I want that for my kids. Mm. That Amen. is the most valuable education I could give them. I remember, I think probably the most confirming thing for me in raising our daughters was the something that both of the girls would do after we had to spank them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, spanking was never the first thing. No. Well, no, I can't say never, <laughs> but it was never planned to be the first thing. Sometimes out of necessity it was. And I think yeah. that was good for them as well, too, to, to, to know, oh, my, you know, wait a minute, we didn't go through steps one, two, and three. I need to learn to listen. Yeah. And, but so, but what was so confirming for me was, and again, both girls would do this after spanking them, they would turn around and never required it of them. They would both turn around and crawl up into my lap Mm -hmm. and give me a big hug. Mm -hmm. And I've told that to people for years. One time Madeline, my youngest daughter came up to me and she says, dad, do you know why? And I said, no, I never even really thought about it. She said, where else would I go? Amen. <laughs> oh my goodness. Amen. That's that's it. You know, th- that's the confirmation. Because I know I was raised the same way. I, there was no doubt in my mind that the parent, the mom, the dad that just spanked me is the same mom and dad would, that would lay down their life for me. Yeah. They love me. And, you know, I think when, when it's done from that heart, a heart of love, then the child comes to comes to understand at some point comes to understand that oh my goodness this is love mm-hmm. and there could be no greater when you go before the lord and you in in that moment and you say father i need you for this kid he's gotten out of bed i've told him three or four times and it's not okay and you have that piece in your heart that says you know what he needs what he needs is a spanking mm. and you go in there and by faith you spank your children you don't do anything apart from faith. By faith, you spank your children. By mm-hmm. faith, you remove privileges. By faith, you allow the consequences to have their perfect work. I love, I can't think of the reference, but I love the verse that says, and let discipline have its perfect result. Like all discipline is unpleasant for a time, mm-hmm. but to those being trained by it, yields that peaceful fruit of righteousness. Right. And our children, that that is what's happening when we discipline them. It is going to yield that peaceful fruit of righteousness. We have to trust that what the Lord said in scripture is true. And I can tell you, I only have a nine-year-old at this point. He has an option. He could grow up to be an axe murderer. But I have seen that fruit in my children. Mm. All three of them know the Lord. Mm. All three of them love the Lord. And all three of them on independent occasions have come to me and have shared things about the Lord that he has taught them. Hmm. And that is priceless yeah, to me. That is. Um, if you're, if you're making the decision not to discipline your child, then what the decision you're actually making is I'm allowing my child to raise himself. That's right. Yeah. And you know, we, we would never, we would never, you know, let our children make their own decision with so many other things yeah. in life. Why would we let them make the decision on on what's right, what's wrong, without any kind of guidance? Mm-hmm. You know, why would we let them make the decision on, you know, how they're going to respond to somebody, having never given any guidelines mm-hmm. and being held to those guidelines? So anyway, that's, uh, I appreciate your thoughts on that and being willing to just say that, you yeah. know, because, you know, this, this is a podcast that goes all over the world and I'm sure some people will not be very crazy about it, but you know, we believe that this is of the Lord. This is in line with scripture yeah. and that is why we need to be. And you're going to have to ask yourself that if, if, if you're staring at 
you know, Proverbs or Hebrews or, you know, the different places where the Bible specifically addresses this. And you feel this anger in your heart towards those verses. You need to ask yourself, why? You need to ask yourself, like, what is it in me that makes me want to not just take this verse at face value? Why am I trying to work around this? And, and you know, I've had that with, with other issues in scripture. And the reality is scripture is very straightforward. It's, it's not all that complicated. And usually when I have a problem with a verse, it's me that's having mm. a problem. Mm. And I really do have to go before the Lord and say, Father, show me, you know, what is it that I'm getting wrong here? Why is it that I'm struggling with this? And generally speaking, what it boils down to for me personally is a pride issue. I want to accept someone else's opinion over the Lord's. I want to accept someone else's teaching over the Lord's. And there are all kinds of teaching on parenting out there. And I would I would encourage I would encourage whoever's listening to to go before the Lord and ask, is this teaching in line with what you have said? Or is this another elementary principle? Um, because that's not something that we need to mm. we need to uh, raise our children by. Wow, Amen. I I appreciate that. That's very clear, and I I just feel like this this should be the end. That's a great place to to mm-hmm. leave it. And thank you for your time. Thank you for being so open. And uh, I hope we can. Um, we, we can do this again, maybe with you and Lugie. Maybe we can move on with other things. So thank you, Hadas. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the His Hill Podcast, featuring our host, Kelly Doherty and Hadassah Regeer. We hope this episode was encouraging to you and your heart. We have one more week of summer camp left, and then our summer staff will move on to the next thing God has for them. This summer has been such a gift and an encouragement to many of us. Please be praying for our summer volunteers as they step into the next thing God has called them to and that they leave encouraged and remember that the God of His Hill is the God of Texas, South Carolina, Ontario, England, and everywhere else in between. We thank God for this group we've had this summer. What a dream team for a dream job. Thank you again for joining us this week for another episode of the His Hill Podcast. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ, alumni, and don't forget that you have been crucified with Christ and that it is no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. I'm Lizzie, and we'll see you next week.